It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, 23 seconds to go. Packers again, one timeout remaining. Crosby's career long is 58. Leading two for the first. Rodgers has Nelson in stride. And Jody Nelson takes off to the 10, to the 5, reaches out for the pylon. And it's a touchdown, Green Bay. R-E-L. Be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin in the show. For fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And you can also find the show on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Packers. Jordan Reed is on the show today. We're going to get to that in a little bit. The open of the show is a play you will recognize as Jordy Nelson scoring on Darrell Revis at the end of the first half of a Packers win over the New England Patriots, the game that I often reference as Mike McCarthy's magnum opus, his finest work as a coach. It is the best atmosphere at a regular season game I've ever been a part of at a football game. It is one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to full stop for a football game. And it is because Jordy Nelson has decided that he is done playing football. And this brings up a lot of discussions about the Packers. And I, I, I think we'll have time another day to go into the legacy of Jordy Nelson and his place in all-time great receivers in Packers history and, and where does he stand of receivers of the last you know decade. Those are, those are conversations we can have a different time. Uh, and and I think also, you know, wondering about would he have retired now? Would he have retired had he been on the Packers now? I think that's an interesting question and, and maybe something that we can discuss at some point. I think it puts an interesting lens on this season. And, and I say that for a, a particular reason. The way that Aaron Rodgers used Jordy Nelson at his apex and the way that they used to kill teams off play action and deep shots down the field to Jordy Nelson on deep posts, circle posts, all kinds of of different deep routes, shot plays that they designed for Jordy. Those are coming back into this offense. 
And although Jordy Nelson will not be the guy on the other end, Green Bay is looking for that guy if it's not Devontae Adams. And maybe it is Devontae Adams, but maybe it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Maybe it's Equinemius St. Brown. Maybe it's Paris Campbell or Nikhil Harry or you know any number of other receivers in this draft. This offense, when this offense was at its best, Jordy Nelson was creating down the field. And and I put this out on Twitter. It was interesting. I said, what is the what is the defining Jordy Nelson play? And I think for for when we when we had Randall Cobb and Randall Cobb is going to Dallas and you know he's not retiring. I'm not gonna, you know, we don't have to do a whole, you know, in memoriam for either of these guys, frankly. They're still alive, luckily, and and they're still a part of our football lives in some way or another. I got a couple different answers for Jordy Nelson, and I thought it was appropriate that one of them was the the best memory that they had was him picking up the challenge flag when Mike McCarthy threw it, knowing um, that that was a bad idea. the The clip I ended up using was obviously from the Patriots game. I, there were I got a lot of votes for the first touchdown in the Super Bowl in 2010, 2011. There were some votes for the my vote. The, the play that I'll always remember is the is the Giants uh, down the sideline to set up the game-winning field goal in 2011 on the road. Uh, that was that was a play that to me defined what Jordy Nelson was. It defined uh, his contribution to this team, and it it embodied why he was so great. Rodgers trusted him implicitly. And they could make plays that seemed impossible, possible plays that when they connected, they could do things as if by prestidigitation. I mean, it was truly remarkable to watch them at their peaks do things no one else could do. Rodgers to Nelson is the highest rated receiver quarterback combo with a minimum number of attempts in NFL history for a reason. They had a special bond. And the throws on the sidelines, the throws Rodgers whizzing by Viking helmets into the arms of Jordy Nelson, his ability to contort his body on the sideline, the way that at his peak, when he when you knew he could run by you, you had to give him enough space, and those third and eight comeback routes were just stealing there was nothing you could do. That's what Jordy Nelson was to this offense. And unfortunately, the ACL and age and just wear and tear robbed him of that at the end of his career. Couldn't get down the field in the same way. Although obviously, you know, 2016 against Chicago, that was another one that got some votes to win the game, basically set up the game winning field goal. That was vintage Jordy. And I understand that that was a reason why fans were upset when they moved on from him because you look at 2016 and it was there. The juice was still there. Now, he didn't produce with Brett Hundley. And he looked better with Derek Carr, as you would expect. He, when he was released, said, I want to play another year or two. He played a year. And I I had a friend say, you know, do you think he would have retired if it were the Packers, I said, probably not. But the reality for these guys is they can still play the game. They still have a passion for the game. It is all the other effort that you have to put into getting your body ready, all the off-season prep, all the off-season study that you have to do, the practices, the film, 
the workouts, all of the other things. Brett Favre talked about this. Brett Favre would still be playing if he didn't have to practice because that's not the part that is hard on your body. That's not the part that that makes you wake up early and stay up late and eat avocado ice cream. That part of this whole process is taxing mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, in all the ways that it could possibly be taxing, it is. Do you want to do that on a team that is kind of a mess, that's going to move to Vegas in a year, that's not going to compete for a title, and doesn't have guys that you care about on it? If he were still on the Packers, maybe he would play one more season if he were under contract, but Green Bay made it clear that they didn't want that. They didn't want him on this team. And I know for a lot of fans, that's a bummer. But... Believe me, Jordy Nelson is not going anywhere. He's still going to be around this team. He is still going to be in our consciousness. He's still going to do interviews. He is still going to be a part of the Packer Nation. I think he always felt like no matter what, even going and playing a year in Oakland, he was always going to be a part of Packer Nation, and that is the way that Packer fans feel as well. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one to punch to keep your one to punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah. So throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted. And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to our guest, Jordan Reed. You can follow him on Twitter at jreed, R-E-I-D. NFL. 
You can find him at Cover One. He is the host of the Draft Boards podcast. You can find his work at ClimbThePocket.com. Jordan, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. No problem. Pleasure to be here, Peter. So uh, I know that the NFL draft is is a specialty of yours. That's why you're here. Let's start big picture on this. Uh, just just give me, you know, some of the some of the guys that that you watch doesn't have to be top of your board. Doesn't have to be the top five guys. Give me a couple names that are just you know that these are the guys that if you were in a draft room you'd be pounding the table for. Yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead and start at the top. And I know you said don't mention any top guys, but I'd be remiss if I did not mention <laughs> No, it's <guy>. fine. <laughs> and that's Quentin Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama. He is the top guy on my board. And, yes, I know he's been a bit of a one-year wonder. He had to sit back and wait his turn behind some other notable first-round picks in Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. But he gained some weight this year. He originally was a defensive end prior to this year in Alabama's 3-4 scheme, but he bulked up and gained around 30 pounds, I believe it was. He was right around the 280-pound range last year prior to this season. So he bulked up a bit, and he turned really into a leader of that Alabama defense. And Nick Saban mentioned this as well, and he's just a person that they did not see turning into this type of player, and he really was a relative mm-hmm. unknown coming into the year for the most part. So now he's the top guy on my board. He's everything that you want in a defensive tackle. He's a pocket pusher. He can create that interior pressure, especially in a league where a lot of people really have the thinking now where interior pressure is really a bit more important than exterior Mm -hmm. pressure. So that's why I really value Quentin Williams a bit more over Nick Bosa, and those are going to be the top two guys. And I can't blame you if you have Bosa at the top or even Williams at the top. I think both of those guys are interchangeable. And another guy I want to mention, this is a guy that we talked about a bit off air was Darno Savage from Maryland. He's starting mm-hmm. to get some steam here late. And I think the safety class is a bit better than what some people are really giving it credit for. And it's really starting to catch up now with, I mean, with even guys mentioned like a Taylor rapper, a Juan Thornhill, or even a Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Darno Savage really stands out amongst that group because not he, Prevent, he presents value in so many different ways. He's not only a safety, but he can come down and play nickel. He can come down to play in the box as well. So he's checking all these different boxes, and he's just so valuable in a league that's just starved for safeties. And you really have to be able to play not only on the roof of the defense, but you have to be able to fill multiple roles as well. Yeah, and and we're going to get back to that safety discussion a little bit later because that's a that's a position that I think Green Bay is going to target. But as you look at this class as a whole, you mentioned that you thought that the safety class was better than it's been given credit for. Give me a little bit of your the way that you view the geometry of this class. Where is it strong? Where is it weak? Well, of course, you have to start with the defensive line class. I mean, it isn't mm-hmm. just defensive end. I think it's strong on the interior as well, and not just Quentin Williams. You're getting to um, you're getting to Ed Oliver guys of that nature as well and not just those two there's plenty of other notable names as well in that list but on the exterior you have Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, um, Cleveland Farrell the list goes on and on Josh Allen from Kentucky so defensive line I think by far is the strongest position group but then you get into that second tier positions like tight end I think tight end I think this has the potential to be a historic type of tight end class and maybe it's not as good as when OJ Howard was coming out and those guys a few years back but 
I think as far as from top to bottom, I think there's so much depth. And everyone likes to mention the Iowa guys, but you go on down the line, you get into that second tier like a Dawson Knox from Ole Miss, a Irv Smith mm-hmm. from Alabama, and even a Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. So you're starting to see these second and third tier guys in this tight end group who maybe could end up being tight end ones at the next level. But at worst, I think you're going to have at least four to five starters right away in this group. So I would say tight end and safety class. And that's another position that I have mentioned that we have talked about earlier and some names that I did mention. Taylor Rapp was one that I did mention. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was another. And the list just goes on and on. There's plenty of other names that are notable in this safety class too. Yeah, and and as you've gone through this safety class, I know this was something that, that I struggled with a little bit. There are some different types of guys, guys that are good at different types of things. And I think this is true of corners. It's true at receiver, where in the NFL, so many things are specialized now where you're asked to play a specific role and and something, you know, Taylor Rapp is not going to play the same role as Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So, I mean, do you do you agree with me that, you know, one single player could be wildly different in terms of value for a team based on what they're going to ask him to do. Yeah, and I've mentioned this a lot. The safety class and the wide receiver class are very similar to me because the way Mm -hmm. I compare it is that it just depends on what type of flavor that you want and whatever floats your boat, (laughs) as I should say. And with the safety class, you have guys that can play on the roof of the defense. A guy like a Deontay Thompson, who seems to kind of be the forgotten guy in this group because we just haven't seen him healthy Uh, recently he didn't participate in Alabama's pro day and I think he's going to have his own pro day on April 2nd so we'll see how he does test there but he seems to kind of be falling down boards but then you have other guys that maybe can fit more in that box safety type of role Taylor Rapp was a great example and even a Nasir Adderley from Delaware he's a guy that really is a jack of all trades but then you have your guys that can just do it all like a Darnell Savage and other guys that we have mentioned as well. Juan Thornhill is another guy that really just plays all over the place. He even played some linebacker when he was at Virginia. So you're seeing these interchangeable type of safeties, but then you have your one high or single high free safety type. So it just depends on whatever flavor that you really do like. But the good thing about that is some of these guys can fill multiple roles while some guys are really boxed into certain positions. So it just really depends on what type of safety that your team is looking for, what type of defense suits best for all of these guys. Yeah, Juan Thornhill had to play corner at times because of injuries at Virginia and was able Mm -hmm. to do that too. So his versatility is something that I think is really going to appeal to teams. All right, let's let's lock in here on the Packers in particular, irrespective of draft slot. If you could just wave your magical draft wand over this draft and say, this is the player in this class, whether it is at 12, at 30, at 44, Whatever, whatever you want to do, but but just any player from this class doesn't have to be a top player that just fits that would maximally impact what they're trying to do. Who is that player? And that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that because I love what the Packers have done in the free agency signings. The Darius and Preston Smith they kind of relieved their need off of the edge because mm-hmm. they just didn't really have the edge presence. And Clay Matthews has gone on now to the. Los Angeles Rams so they really didn't have a certain edge presence and I'm glad that they did that because it doesn't really make it a dire need at 12 or even 30 to find that edge rusher but me personally a fit that I absolutely do love and this has kind of been the common theme amongst Packers Twitter here lately and that's Ed Oliver I just absolutely Mm. love this pick 
And it kind of is a best of both worlds. And what I mean by that is with the Eagles a few years ago, they had this fierce defensive line rotation to where they're just throwing bodies constantly at teams. And that's what I envision with Ed Oliver, Kenny Clark, and Mike Daniels. Just imagine those three guys on the interior just rotating down in and down out and just the type of pressure that you're going to generate. And that goes back to my original point, all the way backing up with Quentin Williams and just how interior pressure had just become paramount in the league. And it's almost become really more important than exterior pressure from defensive ends on the outside. And then you're talking about a division that has some marginal quarterbacks and Kirk Cousins, Mr. Trubisky and Matthew Stafford. So the NFC North is more of a passing type of conference outside of the Bears division I should say outside of the Bears you're really getting into a division that really relies on the pass a ton so getting after those guys I think should be paramount for the Packers and then you insert Ed Oliver into that defensive line rotation with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels I just don't understand or know how you would block those three guys consistently on a down end to down out basis yeah Kirk Cousins is is icing as we speak in preparation for that because the, the Minnesota interior in particular in that division is Going to have some problems if that is the front that that uh, Green Bay is able to trot out there. One of the things that has been discussed uh, in, in Packers Twitter, on Packers Talk Radio um, over the last few months, because a lot of the, the mock drafts have put a tight end uh, in the first round to them and, and including at 12, someone like TJ Hawkinson at 12. I have... I have evolved on this. I didn't used to think it was a good idea. Now, I'm as you mentioned, free agency, I think, has changed the trajectory of what they can do in the draft. And I think it's it's possible if the draft plays out a certain way that it could make sense there. What is your feeling about that? And, and you know, give me your take on these on these tight ends at the top. Is there someone there worth drafting at 12? I actually would be comf- com- comfortable with taking Noah Fant at 12 and uh, Hawkinson I'm a bit more skeptical about even though Mm. I think he's more of a complete player than what fan is obviously I think fan is a bit more better of a blocker than what he's given credit for but I just Mm -hmm. think the miss the mismatches that he creates in the passing game I think that makes him a bit of a bit of a better prospect than Hawkinson to me but both of those guys are stacked as far as tight end one and tight end two in my rankings but I would be more comfortable just taking Fant ahead of Hawkinson and just because of what he presents in the passing game. And yes, I know Hawkinson is just a tenacious blocker. Everybody has seen the clips throughout social media of what he has Mm -hmm. done. So just imagine Noah Fant in the passing game with Aaron Rodgers and just pairing him with Devontae Adams. He's essentially going to be your second wide receiver, and you really don't have that. You don't really have a dire need with that second guy. And I think with the receivers that the Packers have, I don't think they necessarily have that dominant number two guy. I think the guys that they do have, some of the guys they took in the later rounds in previous years, they're more of your wide receiver three or wide receiver, wide receiver four, I should say. So bringing in Noah Fant, I think right away he's that important tight end opposite of Jimmy Graham and Matt LaFleur's offense. And we've seen just how important the tight end is in previous years in Matt LaFleur's offense. So you bring in Noah Fant to pair with Jimmy Graham there's your wide receiver two and your wide receiver three right there. And now your equanimous St. Browns and guys of that nature can now flourish off of those guys because they're going to open up the middle of the field to where all these other other guys opposite of Devontae Adams can now flourish. At the very least, that's a hell of a basketball team. Uh, I know that you've been doing um, mocks on your podcast. Um, what is your What is your latest feel and projection 
for what Green Bay could be doing at 12 and 30? Well, I had them taking, if I can remember back, I think I had them taking North Fant actually at 12. And no, I had them taking Jonah Williams. Sorry, that was before they signed Billy Turner. I had them taking Jonah Williams and Chauncey Gardner Johnson at 30. And I think both of those guys would really be good fits. But they really paid Billy Turner like he's going to start at that right guard spot. And I expect him to start at that right guard spot. So I don't think they were really taking offensive linemen that early at 12 now that Billy Turner is entrenched on the interior. So I don't think a Jonah Williams probably would be a possibility that early. And I still think they'll take maybe a guard later on in the late rounds or even a swing back of tackle of some sorts later on in the draft. But I just think, I just don't think an offensive lineman now is a dire need just because of how they paid Billy Turner. But I think safety is definitely in play at 30 or even at 44. And also I think wide receiver could be in play at 30 or 44. Mm -hmm. And we've mentioned this before a guy like Nikhil Harry, I think he would be a perfect compliment to Devontae Adams, and you're talking about a guy that can stretch the roof of a defense, but he can also dominate underneath, and which would be a per- perfect complement to Devontae Adams. So I really like Nikhil's Harry, Nikhil Harry's fit, whether that's at 30 or even at 44. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the things that Nikhil Harry did at, at Arizona State and the questions that you have about him because he had a limited route tree, wins on contested catches, you could have said a lot of the same things about Devontae Adams. He ran a lot of hitches, a lot of slants, and a lot of goes, and he killed teams in jump ball situations. Well, Nikhil Harry has all those same traits, but tested as a much better athlete. So if you're going to project forward, it just just sort of follows intuitively. If he can get in the lab with Devontae, work on some of those releases, work on those the route running, I mean... It could be scary how much how much ability he has because of those physical tools. After the catch, we already we already know what he can do. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, or that's his biggest weakness right now, just because his release plans off the line of scrimmage aren't necessarily great. And getting with a guy like Devontae Adams, who I think has some of the best receivers of any, at best releases of any receiver in the entire mm-hmm. National Football League, just working with him day in and day out on one of his biggest flaws. I think he already has the post-catch thing down as far as what to do after he has the ball in his hands. He essentially turns into a running back because he has some experience as a return specialist as well. So whenever he gets the ball in his hands, he already has that figured out. It's just the pre-snap process. When cornerbacks come down and challenge him and get in his face, he really gets a bit nervous, and his release plans really aren't that great. But luckily for him, those are things that can be instilled in him and coached into him. So you're getting with a guy like Devontae Adams, who I think he's a perfect complement with, and just working with him on a day-to-day basis would be very, very good for him. I also love a receiver, really any position, but a receiver especially that walks on campus and produces from day one at 18, 19 years old, and that's what he did. So... Uh, that's certainly a name to watch. I think it's a name that Green Bay uh, has interest in. I, I know Green Bay has interest in him. Uh, and uh, so something to watch for Packer fans. Uh, Jordan, let my listeners know where they can find more of the work that you do. Yeah, you can find my work at climbingthepocket.com, also at cover1.net. And also you can find my podcast called the Draft Board Podcast, which covers every single team, all, all 32 teams, Throughout the league, we're on every single podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher. And also, I want to plug my drive guide, which will be releasing on April 12th um, for $10. And the pre-purchase or pre-order link will be posted on my page on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. 
on April 1st, which is this upcoming Monday. It will be $10, and all proceeds will be going to the Raleigh Rise for Hunger Foundation located in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you were able to plug it. And uh, $10, guys, I, that is not that much at all. And Jordan knows what's up. It all goes to a good cause. So I highly recommend that you check that out. Jordan, thanks for coming on Lockdown Packers. Thank you for having me on, Peter. All right, I want to thank Jordan again for coming on the show. Uh, he puts in the work, and that's why I wanted to have him on. And, and uh, he is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, we've, we've known each other for a couple of years now on Twitter, and it, it was great to have him on the show. I went on, uh, he does a, a podcast as well, a different podcast than the one that, that he promoted. And uh, it's been really cool to see him continue to succeed, continue to get opportunities to show uh, why he is so smart and, and uh, to, to impart that knowledge. So I appreciate him coming on the show. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk about what happened at the Florida Pro Day with Ja'Kai Polite. It was not great. Um, we're going to talk about the rule changes. I, I promised that. I teased that. Um, there are rule changes, uh, replay changes, pass interference related, and it's bad. It's stupid. And so we're going to have to talk about that too. We just haven't had time uh, to do it this week. So we'll get to that next week. And by the time we talk again, uh, the calendar will have turned and we're, we'll be in the month of the draft. So we're really going to be focusing in on these players uh, Packer opportunities, uh, players that they're going to be interested in, and I'm, I'm going to try and get hopefully have some of them on the show if we can. Effort that I don't want to, I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver on that, but we are going to make some efforts, some asks, to try and get some guys on the show as well. So hopefully that's something we can do, uh, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy that if we are able to do that. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, and on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. Check that out if you haven't already. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.